and welcome to the PC Movie Club podcast. This is me, Aaron, and I'm here with my mother, Lisa. Hello. And uh, this episode, we are going to talk about the 2015 uh, drama thriller, drama movie uh, from Hungary, but from the director, Laszlo Nemes. Do, do you pronounce it that way? Yes. Yeah. Uh, called the son of Saul or uh, Saul Fia and it's uh, this movie was a very big uh, uh, we both awaited this movie for a long time when, when it was announced in Cannes in 2015 it was already uh, was was in a high spotlight for us and we I've been waiting to see this movie for a long time and now we finally both were able to see it and we can finally talk about it and um, you want to tell us to the listeners you can explain what the movie is about uh, can I tell uh, all the I mean uh, can I no I, I mean Let's... that no I don't yeah. mean that but <laughs> I can I tell the whole movie yeah I but... mean can I tell what it's about in well, first tell them what the story is about. What what is what is Son of Saul? Like, imagine now somebody listening, like who doesn't know anything. You know, he has never heard about this movie. Yes. So, first of all, I'm, I I would like to say that this movie is impossible to talk about without uh, revealing things, spoilers, without spoilers. It's impossible. So we are going to spoil it. Yeah, we're going yeah. to spoil it. Okay. So that's a warning. Yeah. Great. So um, this, first of all, I think that this is a sub, superb movie in its conception. It's something unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, the watcher feels to be inside the events when we mostly see this uh, main character, this Saul. He's avoiding looking at anything, just going forward and doing what he's told. So we. We see him near at my voice, and uh, only background events, which uh, Saul himself doesn't look at, ever. All the time he's moving, just doing things while atrocities happen around him. So it's, and you don't really, they don't explain who he is, where he is, whatever. It, it's been revealed uh, in the course of the movie. Yeah. So, but- And uh, so we find out that that he's in Auschwitz. As a Sonderkommando, that means um, that means that he's he's working, he's being forced to help kill the people. Mm. Yes. And then there's a simple. The, this story is a very simple one. Mm. He's he's uh, just doing those things, whatever he's told. He don't even uh, there's no. No question, whatever, he's doing it, because if he doesn't, he's being killed immediately. And then he finds a boy who survived the gassing, and that's one in millions. Mm. The only one, the on, maybe the only one. And so this boy is being killed, suffocated by the Nazi man, after he was surviving the gassing. So yeah. anyway, 
So Saul wants to give him a burial and he starts to look for a rabbi. To rabbi to give, to, to say Kaddish. And that means the burial prayer. He wants to, to have a religious burial for the child. Yes. To say the Kaddish is very important when mm. a Jew is dead. And, uh, Instead of being burned. Yeah. And uh, to bury him in the ground. Yeah. And he's look, and this rabbi should help him. So he looks for somebody who is rabbi, and that's quite desperate to look for among the hundreds of thousands of people and all the languages in yeah. ever, the, all Europe, all the languages. And he talks only Hungarian and some German. So he looks for the rabbi to help. And so, so that's the story about. Yeah, more or less. It's a very simple story. Exactly, and it, and it takes place like kind of one one and a half day. It's very short time, and we we are just following him mm. through this through this uh, journey, like him trying to 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 search for this rabbi while still trying like hiding mm. the body of the yeah. boy. Yeah, we... so it's it's yeah very special, and it was a very special uh, concept and a movie in the sense. Um, because it concentrates on the Sonder Commando perspective and aspects of the uh, concentration camp. Because, um, for example, for me, when when the movie came out, and yeah. I, I saw the movie, you know, posters of it, and I, I, I saw it in Cannes and everything, I was very interested. Uh, when I when I saw some of the little clips of the film I was like totally into it like I have to see this film this is definitely a movie for me but I was very questionable about that because we have had a lot of uh, Second World War and Holocaust movies already yeah and concentration camp movies a lot concentration camp there's so many movies of this and and Mm. I was really the one of the first things that came to my head was that what new does this movie bring about the subject? You know, mm. because we have already kind of you know processed these things and we have told so many of these stories already, and there is already a number of amazing movies and stories to 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 learn and to go into to experience it. So I was very interested to see like in that way what what is the uniqueness of of this film and i i can say that it's a very unique film it's extremely yes. unique in in many different mm. ways and one of the main one of the bases one of the first things is the discussion about the sonderkommando because that's uh as far as i know i haven't really uh read or seen or heard so many stories about their uh everyday life how how it was to be a Sonderkommando in in the concentration camp. And that's very special about it. Uh, Yeah, this... uh, It it follows, it's new in it that it follows this Saul near. He is the one the camera follows. And what we see and hear is on the background of his, which he don't look at it all or listen mm-hmm. but we see it so this uh, this Saul is a commander commander in Auschwitz so we find out and uh, he works in the most horrible job there is mm-hmm. ever 
to be. He's helping the, to bring the people to gas chambers. He hears them being lied to. Boldly they lie to them to get them into the chambers. And then he, when they're in the chambers, immediately he collects their clothes and other stuff, stealing the jewelry. And he has to give the jewelry for the boss or underground fellows, steal from like from the boss also to the underground fellows. And all the time he's in the threat of being killed instantaneously. Any day, any moment. Mm. And that's his life. And that's a, it's the most horrible thing you can imagine. No, so, yeah, I, uh, I think even like, I think they even put like an extra level of the kind of nightmare situation for that. Because, you know, he has to live with everything. You know, like the, the very first moments of the movie when it begins is that they are, is they show the moment what you said that they will bring the people to the shower, and he then then when they close the door and the the soldiers are shouting all the time in 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 the background, and then they have to go and lay beside the wall uh, in silence when they. Uh, Those are being them, yeah. Dead, yeah, and 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 they have to stand there and listen them screaming and everything and we just we just watch his face you know he's he has to live and work every day his way and then the title comes up and i think it really captured perfectly that whole movie in a way but i think what captured was especially in this that he really closes himself from it Mm -hmm. he cannot otherwise he he cannot be he cannot it's no humanity so that was really what i saw in in that face when when, uh, exactly how you said it yeah yeah and this all all of saul's life is being in threat of killing without any break so at any time he can be dead and it's sure that soon he will be anyway dead Mm. Yeah. He only sees death and killings around him, nothing else. And he smells the dead. He helps to carry the bodies. And the bodies are not bodies, they are pieces, which Germans call them stücke, pieces. Mm-hmm. And they, he carries them out in piles and into the ovens to burn and then push the ashes after the burning to the river and shovel the yeah. ashes into the water endlessly. That's his life. So yeah. all this cannot but affect Saul. It, mm. it has to affect Saul. And he became snub. Like, and I think that he became insane. Yeah, that's my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I see it that way. Because mm. the, certainly the doings of the Nazis look insane. We, mm. we see behind Saul in the background. That was the most affecting part for me in this film was that what we see behind Saul in the background, which Saul doesn't look, we see people being bullied to strip naked and being shot straight away. There, there was an extra uh, train bringing people, so they shoot them in the head, chuck, 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 and they, they fall into the big pit. And before that, they have to strip naked. Everyone, are, and, and while is. the fire is burning, you know, there's some mm. somewhere around fire burning, so we see it all in the dark, mm. and it looks like a sight of an inferno. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly, an, I had the same Yeah, feeling. so it's, 
a very like a hellish imagery. Yeah, it's a real inferno in the on the earth. Mm. We hear screams, cries, babies, women, men, any everybody, and Saul doesn't look at it, but he has to. He wants to find a rabbi for this boy, he, mm. who died, who was killed, and. From among all those people whom whom talking all these languages and he don't this is all a big mess up. And he talks only Hungarian and maybe some German and and um, anyway this boy is his center of his of the of What do you mean? What did you this boy who died. Yeah. He that's the center of his attention. Yeah. And nothing else is, he don't care, he cares, we can't talk about such words as care. He just, he's insane, no, he, he, he closes himself up from everything else, but this boy has to have the burial. So, um, uh, the other way, other prisoners who know him, he has some other Sonder commandos there. With whom mm-hmm. he works with, so they say that he doesn't have a son, but the son doesn't answer. No, he says that, that it. No, he says that it's his son. Yeah, right. he says it's his son, but mostly he's quiet. Many times he's quiet from it. Yeah. Uh, because I think that that is true. He doesn't have a son. I think that the point is that he. This is the whole point of the movie. I think that he sees. In the boy himself, it is the only humanity left for him mm. there in that place to see his other innocent self in the boy. Mm. And because he's going to be killed anyway, so he wants to give himself a real human burial and not to be burned to ashes in the ovens mm. and thrown to the river. So, um, because he himself is also still living only by chance. Mm. It's a chance. Like the boy, he survived by chance as the only one in millions in this gassing. So they are equal. And he, he just simply sees himself in the boy. Mm. He don't know this boy at all. It's nothing to, to, it just happens. That's my opinion. It's the only explanation to this. So yeah. this is the only real thing for him that is left of his life. So um, he just stays blindly alive in the concentration camp and is nothing else. But so the the so he concentrates in the final act of humanity. Yeah. But of course, it's hopeless. Yeah, that hopelessness is very a specific tone in the movie. That there is always this sense of impossibility or hopelessness or some kind of you know like that dead end. He's always in a dead end. He's always there's no way out any any yeah. any point. And 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 even though most of the movie it, it feels like he's kind of flying from situation to situation and he's avoiding death and avoiding. A lot of things, even though he's like uh, having mood, doing a lot of kind of uh, the more and more towards the end the movie goes, it becomes like a little bit more careless, more 
obsessed by the boy and his mission and everything, and he just starts kind of, you know, he's, he's really careless in his in his ways, and because he's desperate, he becomes more and more desperate about it. He has yeah. to do it as fast as possible, and and indeed, it's just that's that's I think and that's part of the heaviness of the movies that it's so hopeless. Yeah, you know, so I want to say about this hopelessness something, but I I wait for until you finish with your... No, no, just say... I, yeah, yeah. So, um, I am very fond of um, a writer, a Hungarian writer, Imre Kertes, who had, as a boy himself, about such a boy, exactly, he was in, in Auschwitz. Yeah. He was caught and he spent his youth in Auschwitz and he stayed alive until the war ended somehow and they came out and he refused to go to Israel or any other country. He stayed in Budapest in Hungary and mm. wrote books mm. and he, he got the Nobel Prize also. But um, he wrote a book called, one of the books, it's it's all about this, uh, this about this uh, uh, life he, yeah. that he spent in there but not yeah, yeah. in a normal way not telling stories of the place it's about philosophy of life and things so he wrote one book called Faithlessness it's called Faithlessness mm. and that impressed me maybe most I, I really like all of his books but yeah. he <laughs> died last March now this year last March he died oh yeah, only. But um, I never left Hungary. I, I think he lived in Germany for a while, but he, he refused to leave his home country, even if he suffered after the war a lot. So this faithlessness, he, it's, it's uh, such a profound thing that these Nazis took from him his faith. Mm. They stole it from him. Oh, like yeah. like Saul. Saul has it's hopelessness. What we are talking about is, in fact, is faithlessness. There's oh. no faith. That's interesting. It, it was taken from him. His life was taken from him. He was stolen. Mm. It's it's a crime against humanity, really. Yeah. That oh, your that's... faith is taken away from you. Well, it's interesting because in the movie, like, well, the plot goes that, and the story goes in the movie that. Like as we as we told already before, that son of Saul is is trying to is trying to fi- find a rabbi to bury the kid. Yeah. Uh, there's some probably some noises in the background because I'm sitting outside. But so okay, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care. So what I was saying that son of so Saul is trying to uh, find a rabbi. To have the kid uh, religious burial. Yeah, so, Kaddish. Uh, he wants yeah. Kaddish to be pronounced and then yes, there yes. is. So, so, so the kid can have a religious burial. So it's it's a spiritual journey in a way in that sense. It's a religious journey uh, in, in in the plot line and because and and it's kind of meant to in a way to be a contrast to the uh, nightmares. Uh, Inferno. Inferno around him, you know, mm. the, the, the non-purity, you know, the, the downfall of humanity in a way, and, yeah. and, and morale yeah. and everything. 
So, uh, but it's interesting because I also because uh, then I read uh, that the, that actually the in the in the real religious period of, of Jews, yeah. you don't need the rabbi to say the Kaddish. You yeah. only need like was it like fifteen Jews or something that are gathered and they can all say Kaddish. Normally. Then no, no. The, yeah, or something the, like that. Yeah. So um, it, it in the end, which is like kind of weirdly ironic or uh, funny about it, is that he doesn't need the rabbi in the end. But he's, maybe he's he... going around trying to find the rabbi. So in a way that 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 says a lot about the character of Saul that he doesn't know it. He's not religious, like how you said it. He doesn't have religion. He's not. He doesn't know Kaddish, obviously. Yeah, he Otherwise, know, he could not... do, say it himself. So it's just kind of for him like some kind of symbol you know some it's just humanity, the concept of it. yeah. yeah it's the humanity it's like he wants something pure and something innocent in the mix of the inferno he wants to that's all he wants you know yeah it's it's, it's uh, openness of that humanity in, in, yeah. in the middle of mm. inferno so it's yeah. in, in a way it's not even about holocaust in the end but it's about all the wars, all the violence and all this, and it just yes. kind of puts us into the most extreme situation where yeah. this, this accumulates, you know. It's the only thing against the in, insanity that he has. Yeah. He's insane and he's in, against insanity. He has this. The only thing he needs is humanity, a piece of humanity. Mm. Yeah, you are yeah. right. I think we are on the same line here. Yeah. So, uh, this background view with the inferno is indescribable. It's like the world has gone insane. Mm. And the insanity shows, shows in Saul. So what I think is strange here, the most strange, is that the Nazis do not feel it themselves. They don't stop to think why they are hitting, shooting, and they are burning people, even if they don't consider the Jews as humans. They don't see and smell the business of death itself as horrible. Mm, yeah, it's that same That's blindness. That, yeah, it's the certain blindness of, of your action, like what we have seen. Well, I think in the documentary of Act of Killing, we yeah. we really yeah. went into the psychology of, of this the violence and how how a whole like mass of people can be thinking that they are doing the right thing. Ah, you mean this uh, Cambodia? Yeah, the, Cam the Cambodia massacre. Uh, with uh, Joshua Oppenheimer made this uh, documentary? Yeah, the Swedish. Ah, American. the act of yeah. killing, yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, then... Look, the look of silence, yeah. Yeah, and the look of silence. It's just about the same thing. It's a yeah. uh, holocaust. Mm -hmm. with senseless holocaust, really. Yeah. And uh, so... Um, yeah, you see, it around the world, in all these dictatorships and yeah. uh, the mass massacres of the. Uh, but but in Son of Saul, the thing is what I, I kind of like about it now. Now I kind of I go into my like my. Can I say something about it? Yeah. So um, the the 
the thing that I really observed in Son of Soul is that, like you said about the background, so there's this Inferno in the background, but it, it all the time stays as a background. It's all blurred all the time. Yeah. It's always just the the glimpse of it. it it's a suggestion of the concentration camp. It's very, very minimal amount of uh, set pieces, in a way. Yeah. Well, like even Even more than the visual, the... I think the atmosphere is created with sounds. When when the movie when Saul is going everywhere, we are all the time hearing the the shouting and screaming and gunfire and things and that and you know we are all the time hearing the world around him and yeah. it's, it, yeah. it all the time reminds us where he is and I think most a uh, big part of the movie's success I think in in terms of the Technical aspect is I, it's the sound design, which is ma- master work, and this with the with the with the, the 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 format of the of the screen is a perfect square, which which um, in it, it what is the what is the word? It's like it gives more power to the to the feeling of this claustrophobic. Uh, yes. mindset of Saul yeah. because it's, it's it's so tightly photographed mm. in in in, uh, in a way that it the camera never leaves the the visual uh, um, sense of Saul like I mean depth of field you know yeah like we, always, we don't go far away from yeah, Saul ever. yeah we are all the time next to Saul and we can only see as far as Saul sees, and and usually we don't even see even that because it's just blurred, and we are just looking at Saul. But that's how Saul feels. That's how he feels when he's in the camp, when he's working. He's all the time, he's all the time, just around himself. Yeah. You no, know, he's locked. He's a prisoner of his own body and mind. And yeah, it just made him insane. No yeah. one can live. A, yeah, so we are. It's a, time with it's a perfect movie. It's a it's a masterpiece movie to to put us in in that mind. You know, to how it feels like, yeah. and at the same time, effectively uh, um, create an experience how it felt in concentration camp because usually we have the traditional movies where we look at the characters from a distance and like Sinner's List for example or something and it's it's a more traditional narration where we observe it but here we are kind of it feels literally uh, we are even more in that character in yes you you film. know by yeah yeah and by the way this uh, I told you about Imre Kertes' book, Faithlessness. So, yeah. in fact, there was made a movie out of it, a Hungarian movie called Faithless. It's called Faithless, and it tells not this way like Saul we see. This is the first time we see it this way, but in a kind of a normal way, normal. Wow. So, concentration camp. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but that is a wonderful movie. I saw it years ago. And uh, I happened to have this wonderful experience by by uh, by seeing it without texts. Uh-huh. So it was all Hungarian, which I don't know, and it all I could see what it is, and I really like that. 
Wow. I really like it affected. It had a certain effect by you should try it sometime. Oh, you see it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Looking at films which you don't understand what is said and you don't know the <laughs> texts. I didn't have any text at all. So I, yeah. I saw it like that and it's, it's an unforgettable, uh, really experience. It made more feeling. I got more deep into it and uh-huh. feeling when I just watched and they talk Hungarian. <laughs> well, it's funny, like, because if you, um, I can tell you how I went to see this film. It was in the theaters in in Antwerp, and uh, I went to with uh, with uh, Vincent. He yeah. asked me to to come with him. He wants to, like he he's going to see Son of Soul with a friend. So come come with us. We, uh, we oh, wanted to come with us, and I and I yeah. said to him that well, I cannot, I don't understand anything because it's in Hungarian, German, and Russian, and all of this, and but there's no English subtitles. So I then like so I, I don't usually go and see if foreign language movies in in Belgium, but yeah. then he he uh, showed me an app on the phone. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that you can have an app where when you go to the movies, you can put the subtitles running on your phone, and it oh, runs oh. along with the movie oh, oh. in your own language. So when you are watching the movie, you can just look at the subtitles in the same time. Ah, but then you have a light in the phone. Well, you can dim it very, very tiny, but indeed it's not nice to light. So I, I cover it with my hand a little bit, and I. So whenever I I really want to know what's happening and what they're saying, I can take a look at the phone. Mm. And it was easy with the movie because it has very minimal dialogue. And yeah, it, it was has... an experiment. You yeah. know, it was like so. It wasn't. It was not not nice to all the time look away from the movie to watch at your phone. And so it didn't work the uh, perfect. But maybe I will try it again in other movies. But it, it could be a solution to see foreign movies in theaters. But it's nice because it was what you said that you didn't understand the Hungarian. So I went also, and it was uh, it's more it's harder a, to actually. I didn't know, know everything that they were saying and stuff, you know. So I also a, saw it. Ca- I felt it was a more intense experience. Mm. Yeah, so you have had almost the same. Well, well, yeah. Like, I went to see uh, an uh, Arabic language movie uh, called Sandstorm. Yeah. I, I I wrote you an email about it, and yeah. it's about a Bedouin girl who is forced to 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 be married, and it it was in Arabian language, and it it had uh, Hebrew subtitles, and so I didn't know what they were saying, but it was. Uh, I I like to see movies that way sometimes mm. without knowing what they are saying because then you are looking at the visuals and the sto- and the movie is telling you the story more audiovisual mm. way. Yeah, you see it in you another know, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, you you are reading the story in a totally different way, and you can really see a much kind of another level, much deeper way. Yes, that's what way. I meant. Like, for example, one of my, I'm just what, last yeah. like. <laughs> you talk as much as you like. <laughs> but one of my favorite movies that I saw without text is uh, is uh, Wong Kar Wai's uh, Two Zero Four Six. 
Well, I know that there's something wrong with the voice here in the in the microphone. I think. Uh, well, say it again. So one of my one of my favorite movies to see without text was uh, Wong Kar Wai's Two Zero Four Six. Oh really? Yeah, I, I I you know. Oh, that music this, and. Yeah, and and I, I can tell you, I actually I cried. You know, I, it was so oh. emotional that I actually really kind of broke down. Oh, it was what a different way of of. What? It was a totally different way of experiencing the story, and I I felt like I understood more. It was really strange. Yeah, was... yeah, that's what happened to me in that uh, Hungarian. So I think Wongar Wai, if he would hear that, that you cried, he would be so happy because he's so romantic himself. And it's just a way to take that film. Yeah. yeah. Do you hear me well in this Yeah, film? I, 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 I sometimes don't hear you, no? Oh. Uh, yeah, I hope it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I... Then... Uh, no, about this movie, I, afterwards I started to think uh, about the consequences of those, uh, those Nazi, Nazi acts. Mm. Yeah? When the war was over and they were sentenced to prison, some of them, and or fled the country or didn't get into responsibility for some reason. So, or people who were actually Nazis... You know, not actually Nazis, but they, or in the in the camps, but supported the government and the Nazi rule in general. You know, the side uh-huh. bystanders, like you know, the citizens in Germany, you know, who wanted to get rid of the Jews and other undesirables, while themselves they were continuing to live there as good and innocent citizens. So. So what happened to them? Mm. No, how how do they see it now? No, how do they uh, know afterwards and or after the war? And how did they tackle that problem, or did they tackle it at all? What did they tell their children about that time? Did they say any, or did they at all talk about it? Mm. How how did they grow up their children to think? Because yeah. the children were actually living in that that. State, uh, state of mind, you know, they stay this um, society which had that past, and if they didn't talk about it, they anyway knew it, and it's mm-hmm. even worse than if they talk about it. So, what what kind of society became from Germany and all these involved nations? You no, know, I yeah, have to think about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so. Earlier on, before Saul and you know, sometime uh, years ago, I've been thinking, what would I do, you know, if I was in a situation where my somebody uh, who is near to me, uh, uh, my uh, my child or my parents or anybody knows what happened, mm. was a killer or support atrocities, like let's say this Cambodia business there. Mm. You remember in that they denied, they immediately became quiet and didn't want to talk about it, and those relatives. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, it's, um, it's, um, so that, no, I, I think, 
I thought then, you know, if there's somebody was just a killer, one person in a family or something was just a killer, not a, a, a Nazi or something, but uh, do a criminal thing. So I would think, I became to the conclusion, I came to the conclusion that I would be also responsible and I should do something to compensate it. Mm. Because it's, of course, yes. it's it's not easy to take it on you and takes you all, it's very hard to take all your time and the guilt, this, um, do, to make amends on the guilt. But it's not easy either not to do anything. To mentally to, to, to what to do. No, so you can't forget it. It stays. It is a mm. fact. So, it, so it, guilt is a very strong thing. Mm. It continues to your children and your children's children and so on. So nobody in that family is free until it's made good. Mm. And how do you make good a Holocaust? You cannot. So, uh, the world is different because of those killings. Let's say now we're talking about Nazi killings. So, the world is different. It would be otherwise, the world would be otherwise if they didn't happen. So, if you have somebody like, uh, let's say there's a person who wrote a book about uh, the parent, grandparents being Nazis. Hmm. No, it was revealed later that, okay, they were Nazis. So this person is brave, like brave, let's say, uh, people say he's brave, to write about it and reveal it. Mm-hmm. Who were those people and find out all the facts and truth and tell it in a book. And and then he thinks that, okay, that's it. So mm-hmm. is it made good in that way? So To tell the stories, just. To just yeah, tell stories. Yeah, and then you go in the television to be interviewed and they say, oh, how brave you are, you are telling these things. <laughs> so I... I really can't think that way. I, I haven't read the book and uh, I'm not going to read it because uh, I'm not going to waste my time on something like that. I, maybe I should know how he solves it. Maybe he solves it somehow in the book, but I'm not going to spend my time on that. It's I have other things yeah. to spend my time on. But, um, so, <clears throat> anyway, and how do you resolve the guilt? Uh, how can you resolve the guilt? Who gets the money from the books? But the money, of course, it's the smallest thing in this. It's it's not a matter. It's the in, it's the inheritance of the way of living. What did the ma- family earn in earning not in money but in spirit or means from the Nazi past, from the support or killing of the millions? It's a very deep philosophical question. Who can count it? Are you resolved of the guilt because you yourself didn't do it? Mm. But your parents did it or your grandparents did it or so on. And what about your children? Are they free of the past? I I think that the whole gen all the generations have blood in their hands. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so this is a horrible question. It's and like uh, feel like the whole humanity has burned. Yeah. Yes, 
So, so, um, so this person who is uh, from such a past, from such a family, should use time to doing amends to the things what the family did. You have to do something about it. You can't sit and say, okay, I didn't do it. Mm. So, how can we make amends? The question is, mm. how can we make amends to what Saul had to experience? So, some answers, like, like okay, people they tackle this differently. Imre Kertes, he, he wrote the book and the films and so on. And uh, then, how many people do you think that went through this experiencing these atrocities and had they have decided not to bring children into this world, this kind of a world? Mm. No, I know people who did that, who didn't do children because the world is so, such a one. Who can amend their loss? Who can, who can make good their loss? Nothing, no one. So... One of the books Imre Kertes wrote is called Kaddish for an Unborn Child. Mm-hmm. You know, that is, he is one of those people who didn't bring children into this world. And he says Kaddish to the unborn child. Fits very well to this Saul mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this director had something some kind of experience his so what, what is the his book family about? in the so what is this book about which book the Cadiz for the unborn child well it's about all this what Saul had to experience it's ah. all his faithlessness you have no faith anymore you can't have children anymore you can't do anything anymore you do, you are not a person you don't have anything so is that the solution well it is this an impossible situation that we see it in this film. Saul is in impossible situation because he's going to be killed anytime. He's dead. Mm. He's dead. Okay. From so... the beginning he's dead. So if if he's dead actually or he's released from the uh, uh, Holocaust somehow and survives, he's anyway dead. It's mm. all taken from him. It's his, his humanity is taken from him. So people have different solutions for that because they continue breathing. And but is breathing enough? No, right. Uh, one of the books he wrote was called Kaleri Paivakiri. I have no, I have all those books and I'm reading them. It's in the Imre Kertes. Kaleri Paivakiri. What is it's in Finnish? So Paivakiri, Kaleri Paivakiri is like Kaleri Diary. But what is yeah? Kaleri is a boat where prisoners row it. Ah, like slaves from Africa? Yeah, slaves. Not African. You know, in Roman times they had this Kaleri where they had Uh the prisoners row and they are slaves in the yeah. Yeah, Even if they die there, they let them die there. So Endless it's like rowing. a slave boat diary. Yeah. So it's all about the same subject. He writes, you no, know, endlessly, and he writes it really, really well. It's it's for anybody, not just somebody who is Jewish or experienced those things, but about life. Mm. So, uh, you, do you have something to say in the 
between because I have so much to say. Well, what can I say about this? <laughs> Go so, on. What what were you saying? Well, what? Uh, so I can continue because no, just <laughs> some time ago, some weeks ago, I read a book, uh, a South Korean book. Uh, you know, I'm interested in South Korea because we have had a lot of discussions of South Korean movies and everything. So, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. So, I wrote read a book by South Korean writer Han Kang. Her name is Han Kang, it's a woman, mm. and she wrote a book, The Vegetarian. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, got a man book, an international prize in this year. It's, a, he, she wrote it in 2015, last year, and it's, it's really a great book. It's beautiful. It's, I mean, it's not beautiful, it's a really good book. It's this, uh, well, it answers some of the questions here we have in Saul and in about these killings all yeah. around what happening in the world. So the main character in the book is a married woman. She decides one night to stop eating meat. Mm. And she goes in the middle of the night in her nightgown to the fridge and he takes all the meat, and they have a lot of meat. She has, the Koreans eat a lot of meat, and they have wonderful meat dishes. So she has ready dishes from meat in the freezer, and all the meat, and she takes it all out and covers the kitchen floor with it. So it all goes bad. And then the husband wakes up and uh, is horrified at what all this, this marvelous foods you are throwing away. But she says that no, she can't sleep anymore, that she, she can't eat meat anymore. She's, she see only killing and blood in her dreams. And uh, she refuses to put meat into her mouth and, or, or any living animal. No? And she rather dies than does that. So she feels so deep about all this killing doing in the world that that's what happens to her. She gets more and more sensitive to the killing. Mm. And even the killing of the for food. So, in, and she cannot sleep at all. And she gets thinner and thinner and all the family is, is doing the violence on her because they want her to live and eat and so on, whatever. So, anyway, in the end she wants to be a tree. She wants to be a tree. Yeah, tree in the forest. And uh, that's, of course, impossible. And so she becomes a kind of, a, she becomes into an impasse. But it's a wonderful book about the subject, what to do about the killing. By yourself, you know, individual. Mm. And she's not even in a war or anything. She's just a modern-day woman in the soul in Korea. Yeah. So it's a, it gives you... A point of view was how you see a realistic sense of aversion to killing. Mm. Yeah. It goes into extremities in this, but it gives you a point, really. It hits, hits you hard. Yeah, that's a very good way of kind of translating that same conflict into an everyday lifestyle choices. And because... And, uh, uh, 
Well, those are like questions that we are kind of facing now a lot, like vegetarians. Mm. People are turning into vegetarians. And more and more, because, yeah. Yeah, more and more. It's becoming kind of very popular because of uh, the meat industry uh, in, in general and, and also because of uh, emotional reasons about, about violence itself. You know, some people just cannot anymore handle it or something. But Yeah, also it, there are... Yeah, like like it's 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 kind of part of a global problem that some people want to start address in some ways and ha- have an answer to it to stop the violence. And in a way, it could be it's a very interesting way of saying that the the dilemma or the conflict of Saul in this movie kind of represents in many ways a lot of this sim- same central conflict of how we choose to kind of um, and how we feel about to to uh, to find a solution against kind of a global uh, problem, violence or or conflict or something, you know. For re- it's a for respect of life. Yeah. Like the humanity. So the scientists. <laughs> there's also more and more studies by scientists about. What the animals feel. Mm. Before they were not, they are more and more coming out revealing that the family, animals are more acknowledged to have same feelings as humans. Yeah. So we can't, so that prevents us to, to make them as stock animals and kill them and make slaughtering. Mm. Yeah, because they become more feeling, um, Feeling life. So, do you remember this uh, movie Ida, which we talked about? Yeah. About? Yeah. So that is another kind of uh, of uh, aspect. Yeah, that's the kind concentration of concentration camp uh, thing. That's a generational uh, aspect, kind of. Like I think that. also not. I think it's an individual, very individual view. Yeah, but I mean, what you were saying about people and that who have to deal with the past. Yeah, you know, we were saying before, and, yeah. and in, in in Son of Saul, it's happening right at that moment. What yeah. you are doing while the conflict is happening, but Ida is kind of what to do with the past, how to, what to do with the burden of of carrying the violence behind you. Yeah, and yeah. that that is something that we you like you said earlier goes on from a generation to generation. Yeah, when when. Uh, that, that director in E, that is Pavel Pavlikovsky, took took that aspect that we don't see the concentration camps at all. Mm-hmm. We just see Ida and the result of her nowadays life, like so. But uh, yeah, and and in Ida also there was a very. Um, there's something interesting about that, like in Ida, like what you said just now, that we don't see the concentration camp, but it is about those. It is about the Holocaust, but we yeah. don't see it. It's not during that moment. And also, in the movie, they use the technique of not showing yeah. uh, a, a crucial scene that happens in Ida. We don't say what's happening and anything, but we don't see what happens. But yeah. it's very effective. Mm, it's very effective. The, the certain effectiveness of not seeing, but kind of suggesting that is something. 
um, also in like like I said earlier, Son of Saul also uh, uses this way of telling the story that everything is blurred and we don't really see a lot. We just see suggestions and glimpses of it that it actually amplifies it in a way. It's even more horrible because you don't really know. You just you can kind of you can only imagine it. So mm-hmm. it kind of brings it instead of some kind of visual objects or visual evidence of it. It's more an abstract idea, something that you have to imagine, and something. And I think that's some one reason why the movie has. Uh, feels as heavy to people as it does and uh, something that goes kind of along to it which I think is very interesting about the movie is that that uh, when, you, when, you, when you start watching the movie and you watch the characters you are really dropped in into the middle of their everyday life mm. and it doesn't explain anything it, there's no real exposition. Yeah, there's about no experience. And what's happening now, and what is this, and they don't even actually tell you what that these are now the sours, and this is what happens, and it's very, very blurred in the background, kind of all the things that happen. So you actually have to know about the sours and the concept. If if you, if if a person who really doesn't know anything about Holocaust or the sours or any of these things would see the film, I think he would be even like quite confused about the events because the movie doesn't explain it. And mm-hmm. I was, well, I also, I couldn't, I didn't have good subtitles to actually see the movie, but I, even, even then, like I, when I, I was trying to follow the dialogue, they were talking about a lot of things that, that felt very, you know, outside of your knowledge and everything. So what I was talking earlier about, the thing that the movie, uh, about movies and stories about Holocaust or about concentration camp, that we have them a lot and they try to explain and they, well, not, not really explain, but they try to tell a story about it. And I think one very unique thing about this movie is that it doesn't explain. You know, for me, as as the role, the position that we are now in, in time is that we have now a movie, Son of Soul, that came out about the concentration camp that doesn't have to explain it anymore. Yeah. It's, like, it's like collective knowledge. We mm. know that this happened and we, it's it's obvious. It's you know it's it's an obvious in, uh, history. You know this is what happened, and uh, everybody knows that that happened. You know, and this movie is not here to educate us. It's mm. not an educative movie. It's not an informative movie. It's an experience. It's like an emotional movie. It and it so it's 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 not. I I really fascinated about it that it's not interested in in teaching you about. Uh, many things about the things, but it just uh, it 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 what it expects from you from the audience is that this is common knowledge. Mm. You you we all already have been through a lot about learning about this stuff. So it tries to kind of I feel like it tries to take the discussion into another level, like what you have been now talking about, that how to deal with 
that that responsibility or that yeah that what what is your role in in the middle of these conflicts you know yeah exactly and so it's not anymore about just examining the Holocaust, but it, oh, it, yeah, what it makes a story out of it that is somehow very universal and collective. Mm. And that's yeah. Beautiful. So by accident, it, uh, today's uh, paper in Hesari, it there is a big article about a German artist called Günther Demnig. He's from Köln and is my age exactly. Mm. Uh, wow. So yeah, so. <laughs> He, exactly on the date or I don't know exactly the year okay. so anyway he's an artist who made in 1996 he get, got an idea to put in Berlin on one street it's in uh, Oranienstrasse in Berlin he made 31 pieces of uh, plates little plates and he put them in a be- from what material he made is a metal uh, and he put them in beton concrete and uh, then he uh, placed them on that street and they're still there and on those plates each have a name of a person who died in Auschwitz they all died in Auschwitz and what day and what day they were born and the plates were placed in front of the house where they lived wow on the street. So that was a kind of a, a what, what do you call it, a, no, one time thing he did, 31 plates, but then people got interested and wanted them. There was somebody, a Jew, who said that, okay, I want those things for my whole family. They all were died in Auschwitz. Would you do it? And so he started to do them, and now it's it's from 1996 he started, and now he's doing it still, mm. and he's doing it already in 21 countries in Europe. Mm. All are the same. <laughs> the small plates in the on the pavement under the foot where people walk, mm. in front of the each house where the people were. But he has he has been doing a lot of effort, mm. you know, and he has help also because other people start to help him and so on and it cost 120 euro to make to make them and each and so on so money and everything Whoa. but but there are people who want to do that so so he's been doing it already 60,000 plates wow yeah and he's still going on and Auschwitz, uh, how many millions died, yeah. you know? And they are not all Jews. They are also Romans, Romanian, no, Romanian, what do you call it? And gypsies and and other uh, homosexuals and all kinds. Mm-hmm. But so, so, and there are also people who keep on cleaning them from the, because they get dirty in the street. Yeah. So it's all over involved. And so this Finnish reporter who met this man, mm-hmm. he she asked him if he would do it in Finland. Because in Finland, Finland sent in the wartime to Auschwitz eight people. Mm. Those are the eight people who were sent from Finland to Nazis. And they, I think one didn't die, maybe 
Christian. I don't remember. But anyway, in Israel, there's a kibbutz for them, Yadashmone, a mm-hmm. memorial for eight. It's called Yadashmone, a memorial for eight. And so on. So he said, oh, I don't know about this, this Günther Deminik said, that of course I want to come to Finland to do it. And we know exactly in Finland where they lived and who they were. Mm-hmm. And so I'll come and do it and let's make it and so on. So... Anyway, he's so busy with it. <laughs> so, what was it's strange that I read it today. Mm. No? And so they were, to that day, I don't know, day when this reporter was there, they were putting plates in front of one house in Germany. And there came relatives from Tel Aviv and New York and so on. To, and they also have music. Music wow. there. They do it they, every time they do it. Yeah, the violinists really there and playing it every time because that's the burial of those mm. people. That's the, you know, it's very touching because that's what Charles would have wanted. Yeah. It's real burial for that person who mm. is not remembered anymore. And so it came, came that uh, they come uh, school groups to look at them and study and they get interested and they also start to look for the neighbor, what who lived in the neighborhood that time, who was sent to Auschwitz and they learned that and so on. And, and uh, of course it becomes a big uh, thing. But then of course, uh, no people, people always think all kinds of things. So some don't like it at all. Mm. Like some Jews... Even they say that we don't want it. Oh, really? Yeah, we don't want it and uh, so That's on. Weird. Because, no, but when it's something which touches you to the core, you know, it's, it's, um, it's understandable. It's yeah. question of feelings. Mm-hmm. But on, on the other hand, this is, this man is not a Jew himself. He, his father was, fighting in the war in Nazi Germany mm. and so on he did was not a guest upon Nazi or concentration camp just a soldier but he's doing something that's what I mean this mm. man is doing something about it so those people who are guilty like really guilty or their children or their grandchildren so they can do things something they can do yeah but he's not guilty himself the burden of the history. Yeah, it's a burden of history, and you, that's the philosophical question. Who is guilty of what? So this vegetarian woman from South Korea, she mm. takes all the guilt of all the killings. No, mm. like it's it's a big philosophical question. So each tackles this thing in the in in their own way. Yeah. But then I have still one thing more. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah yeah. 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 I have I have one thing more because there's well in in another way there is a there's a movie also called The Woman in Gold mm-hmm. by uh, Simon Curtis from last year 2015 mm. and uh, it's a uh, what is that about I, it, I I don't know if I heard about it I uh, no I I saw it. It's just a normal, kind of a normal story, which I don't like so much normal stories, but I like the I, the history and what I learned from it. It's 
It's a Helen Mirren plays this woman who actually lived in Los Angeles, you know, Maria Altman. Mm-hmm. It's about a Jewish woman, Maria Altman, who had who lived in Vienna. She was born in Vienna, in Austria. And uh, there were there were a lot of Jewish families there. You know, all kind of bankers and people and uh, very, you know, uh, rich people who owned houses and so on. And everything, the Nazis came and came into the house and stole everything from them. And they said that this is ours now and from all the Jews, mm. all the families. And then killed and who got away, ran away and... If, not and so there are books written about such things. But anyway, this Maria Altman, she had an aunt called Adele Blochbauer, and uh, one of the most famous paintings in the world is it's about this Adele Blochbauer. It's a it's a, painted by Gustav Klimt, mm. and that's called the Woman in Gold because it's she has a, this Adele Blochbauer is the portrait of her in a golden dress. Mm. And the Nazis stole it and they stole uh, everything else. And then in the, after the war it came into the uh, National Museum. No, like. mm. And the Austria said, this is our property, this is our treasure. No. And many Gustav Klimt's paintings, but this was the best yeah. of them. So yeah. Maria Altman was in fact a legal owner of it. This woman who escaped to Los Angeles. Mm. And she went and they made a, a court case against Austrian government. Like, I want to have this painting. Mm. And she... This, it's worthwhile to see this uh, film. It tells all about what she had to suffer from all those dirty people who said, we don't owe you anything, it's our treasure and so on. But in the end, she won the thing and she got the painting. Huh. And it was the most expensive painting. It was over $100 million. It's the most expensive painting at that time in the world. So mm. she got it back. And for her, it's not the money, it's her aunt. Mm. whom she knew and she loved. She was the favorite niece of this aunt. And they went to Sunday dinners, or Sabbath dinners, you know, they were Jews. So, oh, yes. Sabbath dinners there, and they were always seeing it in the wall, this painting and so on. Or a very touching thing. Anyway, so what I'm talking about is that... Yeah. <laughs> is that... Uh, such thing also happened that... All the treasures were taken away from those people. And what I read just two days ago or so, no, I read in the, my newspaper that what happened 50 years ago in 1966 mm-hmm. was that there's a picture even here that there are two Nazis released from the prison because after the war in 1946, they were sentenced to prison for 20 years for doing... The other one is Albert Speer. He was the Hitler's right hand, you know, in, in, um, 
a ministry of the war and, and the architect and so on. And the other one was Baldur von Schirach. He was the Hitler Jugend lead, leader. So they were sentenced. This von Schirach was sentenced for spoiling the whole future of one's generation. That was the accusation. Mm. Future of one's generation, the Hitler Jugend, you know. And um, 50,000 Jews sent to the concentration camps. And uh, see, he was the governor, governor of Vienna. You know, he was the one in this Maria Altman business. Oh. Yeah. This von Zirach. And the despair was, was a sentence from the crimes against humanity. Because he was the architect of these concentration camps. Wow. Yeah. So these were the most criminal people ever in the world then. And they were sentenced to 20 years in jail. And in this picture, I have a photo here where they are released from the prison in 1966. Hmm. So they've been free since. So absurd. Isn't it? Mm. They were in Nuremberg uh, trial in 1946 for sentence. Wow. So, That's really and good. after that, this Maria Altman is fighting for her paintings and things and, uh, oh, Yeah. It's, it's uh, so many stories and it's so many stories and, and connected to it and it, so many things happened during that time. Yeah, so maybe there are too many details in this thing after all, but that's why, that's why Shaul Son of Saul is good because it's a very simple story. It's a totally no details. Yeah, it's not about that either. It's not about the really the about. It's the about other. keeping human. Yeah, it's really about very basic humanistic and pure things and um, innocence and the contrast between hu the humanity and violence and the inferno, you know, in a way, mm. uh, you really nicely put it. But the, um, even though the movie depicts very realistically the details about all the events and all the things and locations and things, they even they, they, there is even the moment in the detail in the movie where they uh, take the famous uh, Sonderkommando pictures. Yeah. Uh, they show them like... They took yeah. them from inside, and they are very famous pictures of yeah. very rare photos of actual, like uh, yeah, proofs, proofs of from... what they, what were happening mm. in the concentration. They are yeah. very blurry, and they are not 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 very blurry, but uh, you, it's they are very. I think, think they are very very interesting photographs. Documentary. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. and they so these these they are very very true, very realistic things depicted in the movie but it's not explained and it's not it, it's not about that mm. it's really about so and something very human something very simple and yeah but still very complex in a way you know yeah. and that even if 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 the nazis said that called them stücke you know yeah. the the bodies were pieces not stücke it's they couldn't turn it that way they're human in spite of all, they are human. They couldn't, by saying Stücke, they couldn't make it Stücke. Yeah. 
And so I think that this uh, Laszlo Nemes, this director, is very brave person that he tackles such a ori- an original way, such a uh, no, uh, used subject. No. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much. So I think that we, we talked a lot about this thing I think, now. In this. I think our time limit is starting to come up. Yeah, the time limit. And the last thing I say before I, I thank the audience is that I'm one thing I'm extremely happy about. Yeah. It is the sounds which I hear back in the background. It, that, is, that is the proof of humanity. Songs. No, here in your background, I hear the sound, the sounds. Ah, yeah, I. All yeah. the cars and the bi- uh, the motorbikes and the children and the dogs and no, that's the proof of humanity itself. That's yeah. I'm most most happy about. Yeah, I can I can I can explain it more, like because I I don't know if it if it comes through on the podcast, but that. Yeah, I was earlier talking about the movie I saw in Arabic and with the Hebrew uh, subtitles that, in fact, I'm actually at this moment, I'm in Israel. And we, I, we are now doing the podcast uh, with uh, Finland and Israel uh, connection. And uh, yeah, I happen to be here at this moment. And it was it's, it's actually a very interesting moment to actually and to take Son of Saul movie as a subject yeah, of because I'm kind accident. of in the center of it's by accident it's it's, by, it's a coincidence we coincidence didn't, we didn't yeah. plan it but and but, like we were talking about it and you know we talk about uh, what happens in the movie and then the same time in the back I'm there is the neighbor kids are running around and laughing and and that's such a yeah amazing thing to tell whatever people there are whoever they are alive there Yeah, so it, it there is it gives some kind of hope. It gives a lot of hope. Mm. Humanity is humanity. So, 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 um, so, yeah, maybe maybe in the movie you don't maybe find so much hope, and then maybe you have to when you come out of the movie. Maybe that's the challenge that then you have to see how can you resolve that. But maybe in that sense, the movie is a discussion opener more. It's, yeah. it, it's supposed to make you think about it and supposed to put you kind of through a challenge yeah. and because it is a very big question well in a way of how you have put it now for during during our discussion but well yeah anyway we have to start closing up this but yeah. we still have to ask the question of how many points you gave and well would you recommend uh-huh. it but I think you recommend it <laughs> Yeah, I recommend it, and I gave five stars immediately, of course. And yeah, I I think I gave I give it a ten out of ten. Oh, really? But yeah, I, I think I I don't I don't know why I should even give it a nine. I don't see anything really wrong with it. It's a it's an amazing movie. Yeah, it is really. So I'm really happy you gave it ten. Oh, nice, nice. So I. Let's wrap it up now, and we we'll see you next time. <laughs> Then I I thank all the listeners for listening all this. Yeah, thanks for joining us. And- good.
to 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 talk about the the philosoph philosophy of these problems. Yeah. So bye. Goodbye. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. You have been listening to PC Movie Club podcast hosted by me, Aaron, and my mother Lisa. To learn more about our episodes, you can go to pcmovieclub.com and look up more content of our podcast, like for example a detailed timeline of the topics discussed in each episode and a summarized list of the movies we mentioned, in case something caught your ear but you missed the title. Not to forget to mention, of course, our amazing unique cover illustrations for every podcast and article done by either me or my mother. The great guitar piece you heard under the sound effects and dialogue from a movie in the opening theme was composed by a talented Spanish artist, Javier Suarez. God, I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Who offers original music through his website, betterwithmusic.com, to be used in all kinds of audiovisual projects under the Creative Commons license. So do check out his music. I hope you enjoyed your time with us as much as we enjoyed making it.